Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 13th of April. Princes William and Harry are the latest royals to pay tribute to Prince Philip. The brothers both releasing separate emotional tributes overnight for their grandfather, who passed away on Friday night our time, aged 99. Prince William praising his beloved grandfather for his lifetime of service to Queen, Country and Commonwealth. While Prince Harry, who arrived in London yesterday ahead of Saturday's funeral, hailed his grandfather as a master of the barbecue, legend of banter and cheeky right till the end. Harry adding, I know right now he would say to all of us, beer in hand, oh, do get on with it. Overnight, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson also paid tribute to Prince Philip in Parliament, saying the Duke touched the lives of millions. He gave us, and he gives us all, a model of selflessness and of putting others before ourselves. And though I suspect, Mr Speaker, that he might be embarrassed or even faintly exasperated to receive these tributes. He made this country a better place. And for that, he will be remembered with gratitude and with fondness for generations to come. Still in the UK, and for the first time in months, pubs, shops, gyms and hairdressers have reopened in England as many of the COVID restrictions are relaxed across the UK. It's part of the third stage of the government's roadmap out of lockdown, with the latest data showing 32 million people have now been vaccinated across the UK ahead of its April deadline. Meantime, in the US, top infectious diseases expert Dr Anthony Fauci says authorities still don't know at this stage if the COVID vaccines stop the spread of the virus. Speaking on CBS, Dr Fauci says there will always be breakthrough infections, especially with the new variants of coronavirus, but the COVID jabs do prevent deaths and serious side effects. And in the real world, no vaccine is 100% efficacious or effective, which means that you will always see breakthrough infections, regardless of the efficacy of your vaccine. And back home, and a number of Australians are now cancelling their appointments for the COVID vaccine after the latest warning over the AstraZeneca jab. The federal government has also announced it won't be purchasing the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for widespread use in Australia because of concerns over its similarities with the AstraZeneca jab. Meantime, the fallout continues over the delay with the rollout of our vaccination program. So far, 1.2 million Australians have received their jab, but critics are concerned with winter coming, COVID outbreaks will occur and may spread quickly. Prime Minister Scott Morrison says he won't set new targets for the rollout and took to Facebook to defend the government. Now, I've been asked a bit about what our targets are. One of the things about COVID is it writes its own rules. You don't get to set the agenda. You have to be able to respond quickly to when things change. And it's certainly the case over the course of this past year, we've had to deal with a lot of changes. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Tuesday morning. And we start in WA and the Defence Force has been called in after tropical cyclone Sorosia left behind a trail of destruction on the state's Midwest coast. Our reporter Emma Griffiths has the latest. Shocked Kalbarri residents are describing the town as a war zone with homes torn apart and thousands left without power. The system made landfall late Sunday night with wind speeds reaching 170 k's an hour and up to 
250 West Aussies calling for help. The Department of Fire and Emergency Services says 70% of Kalbarri has been damaged, 40% of that deemed major, including complete loss of property. Rose has lived in the town for 30 years and says she's never seen anything like it. The town, the front street is just an absolute bomb site. I think everyone's just in so much shock and so much rubbish. We've got people's solar panels in our yard. There was a caravan at the back and now we're all using oil. The Australian Defence Force is expected to arrive in the region today with aircrafts being deployed for medical and other evacuations. And Victoria now has the largest supply of coronavirus vaccines out of all the states and territories. Our reporter James Lake is in Melbourne and he explains there's actually some method to the plan. That's right, Tash. We do have a backlog of just over 80,000 doses in stock now, although we don't have an exact breakdown between Pfizer and AstraZeneca. With deliveries of the vaccines arriving at different dates, it's allowed authorities to tap into the stockpile and continue rolling out doses on days when there are no planned shipments. Officials also confirmed yesterday the rollout of the AstraZeneca jab for people under 50 is still on hold. About 80,000 doses, which it had planned to use at vaccine hubs over the next two weeks, are also being repurposed now and sent to GP clinics in need of supply. Prime Minister has also played down any concerns over the delays for vaccines, saying Australia has time up its sleeve because we're not in a crisis like the UK and US. Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. And Scott, this is a great news story. There's new data that's showing that the border closures during the COVID crisis have actually helped rather than hinder our economy overall. Yeah, Tash, good morning. I'll tell you what, Australia was called the lucky country decades ago and that was supposed to be critical, supposed to be ironic. And I've got to say, while we know that individual people and some industries and businesses have really, really done it tough and keep doing it tough, the good news kind of keeps coming. And this time it turns out that, well, the border closures, while it kept us at home and kept tourists out, it turns out Australians tend to spend more overseas when we travel than our visitors do when they come here. So if we keep them out but keep ourselves at home actually ends up being a net positive for the economy rather than a detraction. About $7.5 billion, apparently, we spent here at home rather than overseas. And that's a large part of what's been behind the the speed and, and frankly, just overwhelming surprise of the economic recovery. That is such great news and very surprising. It's amazing, isn't it? It's one of those stories that really, until you see the numbers, you kind of go, oh, that makes some sense. But at the time, you're so worried about the tourists not coming here, it really does potentially make you worry, sorry, more than maybe we should. And that continuing good news is also good news for the budget. It's set to get back to surplus. This is incredible. In as little as four years, according to one global bank. Yeah, and they put a bit of a big asterisk maybe around that, but <laughs> that's even still in itself phenomenal. So Deutsche Bank saying that we could get back to – now, this is not getting out of debt. That's going to take decades if we don't do something else about it. But just getting the budget back in the surplus itself, our spending and our income roughly matching each other could be as early as 2025, which – Frankly, again, after the last year is somewhat surprising, but it is that the pace of the recovery, the fact that, you know, we know when things go well, the virtual circle, we spend less on welfare, we get more in taxes at a government level, of course, we're the one paying the taxes. But when that happens, it really does put the budget balance, hopefully for everybody, uh, and certainly from Deutsche's perspective, back into the black more quickly than we thought. And Scott, Australian waste manager CleanAway has lost out on a $2.5 billion bid thanks to a global merger. Yeah, this is fascinating. So it's one of those things we don't often talk about waste management businesses, but Clean Oil was going to bid up to $2.5 billion. 
for the waste management assets of a business called Suez out of France. You might have seen the Suez brand around the place on, on garbage trucks or at, at tips. Um, this was going to be a deal that hopefully was going to get done. Suez, unfortunately for Clean Away, has actually done a global deal with another waste management business that basically takes all those assets and, and scoops them up into one mega giant uh, you know, uh, waste management company globally. Now, that still might get a deal done. In fact, Clean Away might even be a target at some point. Um, but it does turn out, unfortunately for them, in the short term, uh, when a bigger deal gets done, where you're the small fish in a small pond, very, very hard to get a look in. And finally this morning, Scott, the ACCC isn't done with Google as yet. This is interesting. It is, isn't it? So US regulators are looking at Google and basically alleging that it did the wrong thing in the past using some data from it. So it has an ad buying business. You have people like Google ads and that kind of stuff, the display ads, all those ad words, the little things we set at the top of our Gmail inboxes. And the data that comes from that, the US regulator is alleging Google used improperly or maybe even illegally to basically get a, a jump on its rivals when it comes to advertising its own products. These things rarely are jurisdiction specific. So if it happened in the US, the ACCC thinking, you know what, there's a decent chance it may have happened here and they may yet have one more face-off to come in terms of dealing with Google's dominance of the ad market here in Australia. Certainly a big story, Scott. Thank you. Thanks, Sash. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas and Brett. The coaching dramas at Cronulla are continuing. Yes, good morning, Tash. That's right. Uh, now some reports that a Panthers assistant has been approached to team up with Craig Fitzgibbon, who is the highly rated assistant coach from the Roosters, that apparently the Sharks have all but appointed from next season to take over from uh, John Morris on a three-year deal. Uh, now, yesterday, of course, officials were scrambling to speak to their current coach uh, about that, and obviously he and the fans want some answers. One of those fans is Shane Flanagan, of course, coached Cronulla to a premiership. He's now an assistant uh, elsewhere, but he spoke about this issue last night and he says that we need to find out exactly what is going on at his old club. To be honest, I feel really, uh, I feel a bit sorry for Johnny Morris because, you know, the club hasn't really told us why they're getting rid of him. You know, they trotted out a, an excuse that they want to be a top four club and John can't attract the players to the club that they need to. I, I don't cop that. So you know, I want to know why they're going to get rid of him. Yeah, a bit of a strange situation when uh, John Morris has guided them to two finals appearances and then you've got Craig Fitzgibbon, who might be highly rated but hasn't coached a team in his own right. So there's a fair bit to play out there at Cronulla. And to the AFL now. Now, the season's only just started, but Collingwood players, Brett, have been forced to throw their support behind coach Nathan Buckley. Yes, the Magpies are always on the back page in Melbourne. They're such a, a big club and they command a lot of attention. And, of course, with the off-season they had when they had uh, some star players like Adam Trelaw, Jaden Stevenson, Tom Phillips, much publicised, forced to leave the club because of their salary cap issues, which meant that they're not quite as good as what they were last season. They're still very competitive, but they're not really challenging. Well, even for the top eight at the moment, they find themselves one and three, season slipping away. They've got West Coast on Friday night in Perth and they've just lost their vice captain uh, Taylor Adams for 10 weeks with a knee injury which when they led to Adam Trelaw go that's not what they needed because obviously the depth of their midfield isn't quite the same. Here's their skipper Scott Pendlebury talking about uh, the slight amount of pressure that their coach is under right now. Yeah I feel like he's the right guy. Yeah I'm not sure how Bucks can help us win contested ball um, on the weekends. The skipper speaking to nine there Bucks of course in the last year of his deal he's, uh, his right hand man Eddie Maguire no longer there as president so this is a really crunch season for the future of Nathan Buckley at Collingwood. And Brett, what a sensational finish in the Masters yesterday. And we could see the champ competing in Australia. 
Yeah, that's if Australian PGA organisers have their way. Of course, Hideki Matsuyama, the talk of the golfing world yesterday, the first uh, golfer from Japan to win the Masters, and he had to hold his nerve there toward the end as well because he got a little bit shaky uh, on that back nine uh, coming back home. He, on the 15th, found the water. His four-shot lead was taken down to two. He bogeyed the next hole, managed to recover, and ended up winning by one shot. Now, the PGA is returning to Royal Queensland, the first time it'll be in Brisbane in 20 years and obviously they want some big names to compete. The tournament had to be suspended or called off last year so we didn't see the likes of uh, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, Jason Day or even Cameron Smith, the Queenslander, another Queenslander of course that they are hoping to bring uh, back home and here is their tournament chief uh, Gavin Kirkman who says that he has reached out to some of our local stars. Talking to their player managers at the moment, you know, the, the intent is the guys want to come home. So that would be a, a massive coup, of course, borders permitting if uh, Hideki Matsuyama is able to come to Australia and, and the likes of Adam Scott Mark Leishman play here as well. And it uh, looks like Matsuyama could be the flag bearer for Japan at the Tokyo Olympics as well. So shows um, how big that moment was for uh, Japanese golf. Thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now this Tuesday morning. Partly cloudy and a top of 25 today for Brisbane. Sunny and 24 for Sydney. Partly cloudy, becoming windy and 19 today for Melbourne. 19 also the expected top for Canberra after a chilly start to the day. Possible late shower for Hobart, 19. Late shower or two and windy for Adelaide, 26 the expected top today. Partly cloudy and 21 for Perth and a sunny 33. Beautiful conditions today for Darwin. And the love this Perth couple has certainly runs pretty deep. Debbie and Cameron McLeod have tied the knot over the weekend underwater. COVID got in the way of their original plans, so they decided to do something a little different. Debbie telling Seven how they came up with the unique idea. Cameron proposed to me underwater and he says, um, what a beautiful backdrop it would be to have our wedding here. So we said, yeah, no worries, let's do it. Something different hasn't been done, so why not? Good on them. And while as for the honeymoon, the water theme continues. Wait for this. The newlyweds plan on diving with great white sharks, as you do. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.